0: everybody and welcome back to from complex to queens Run apple sources minor league podcast i am steve seiper and we are going to be continuing our player of the week reviews this week uh we went over catcher of the year two weeks ago outfielder of the year was last week and this week we're going to be looking at infielders specifically corner infielders first base and third base a lot of names Played at least one game at first base. Uh, I counted. We have 38 players specifically uh, playing at least one game at first. And then across the diamond at third base, we had 35 different players. So plenty of choices this week. So for my first baseman of the year, I am going to be going with J.T. Schwartz. He appeared in 66 games at the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. He missed basically all of June and July because of quad injury that he uh, sustained on May 12th. And in total with Binghamton, he hit 302, 383, 437, with 17 doubles, two triples, four home runs, and 27 walks to 46 strikeouts, which is good for a 128 weighted runs created plus. Uh, he really didn't get off to the best start uh, prior to his injury. Uh, 27 games that he played in April and May, he hit .243, But when he returned, he was basically um, a man on a mission. Uh, 43 games he played after he did rehab um, from late July until the end of the season, he hit three twenty-seven, four .420, .462 with 11 of his 17 doubles, both of his two triples and two of his four home runs um you're not gonna find schwartz really on any top prospect lists he was a pretty uninspiring draft pick um back in 2021 they took him in the fourth round and he wasn't really a money-saving pick either you know they were they they drafted kumar rocker in the first round that year so they had to save a lot of money uh slot value for the fourth round pick with their fourth round pick um was f- about $520,000 and Schwartz signed for 475000 So they really only saved $45,000 there. Um, could have saved a lot more if there was someone else, uh, you know. But in retrospect, I guess it, it's all good because obviously everything that went down with Kumar Rocker went down. So it, it really doesn't make much of a difference. But Schwartz was so so in Brooklyn last year. And this year, you know, he was he was a bit better. But also, um, when you look at, you know, what other teams, guys that other teams are scouting and signing who are a lot better <laughs> than Schwartz, you know, that's annoying. Uh, Bryce Miller, the Marlins pitcher, the starting pitcher, he got picked two spots after Schwartz is picked. Uh, the Reds, they picked Christian and Karnassian Strand about 10 picks later. Obviously, now, if Schwartz makes it to the major leagues, who cares, you know, what other players got picked and where they got picked or whatever. But does Schwartz have that capability? Can Schwartz make the major leagues? I don't know. Um, He's a first baseman without much power. That's that's a tough profile right there. He's a contact-oriented player. He uses the entire field. He sprays line drives. He he drives, you know, well-hit fly balls. He scorches grounders all at about an equal rate, about, you know— 33, 33, 33. He does walk a decent amount. He doesn't strike out much. That's good. But, you know, in, in today's day and age, what do you do with a profile like that? Um, he does have solid batting practice power, and he can yank them out of the ballpark. So I guess you could have him turn into a stomp and lift player and transform him like they did Luke Ritter. But, you know, who knows if that even takes. And if you mess with the guy... And, you know, take away the one thing that he does do well, mainly make contact. You know, does it have a cascading effect where now he also starts striking out at a crazy rate? He stops walking, you know what I mean? So I don't really even know if if that's something that you could really do. Um, He does have a little bit of experience in the outfield, but it's very minimal. And he's had some hip injuries uh, in the past. So I don't really think that, you know, moving him to an outfield position is a solution either. And even if you did, he doesn't really have the power to play in the outfield either. I mean, today's day and age, you expect your corner outfielders to hit home runs, and to a lesser degree, your center fielders. And J.T. Schwartz does not have the ability to play meaningfully, I think, anyway, either corner position, let alone, you know, center field. Um I don't think he's agile enough to play third base or up the middle. So, you know, I I don't know what do you do? I mean, it, w- what I would do, I guess I would chop his head off and put it on Ronnie Mauricio because that would be one hell of a player. If you can combine uh, Schwartz's eye and his and his contact ability with Ronnie Mauricio's power and speed and defense, that's like prime Troy Tulowitzki right there. But Unfortunately, medical science is not that advanced, so that's not an option. Um, all right, and now my third baseman of the year, uh, Mark Vientos. Yeah, he didn't have the best season at the Major League level when he was called up, but in 61 games at the Syracuse Mets, he hit 306, 387, 612 in 232 at bats with 21 doubles, one triple. 16 home runs, and 29 walks to 58 strikeouts, which even in the International League this year, with it's crazy high, run scoring environment and everything, still comes out to a 143 weighted runs created plus. Um, Vientos got into 65 games with the Mets this year. He accrued a, a 218 at-bats, and that's almost identical to his 61 games and 232 at-bats at Syracuse. And as we all know, <laughs> the the results were not really there. Um, his flaws with the Mets were largely, you know, the same ones that we were citing in our um, prospect profiles last year, and the year before that, and the year before that, you know. He has a long swing. Uh, he has trouble getting to certain pitches in the zone. Uh, he expands the strike zone a little more than you'd like. He strikes out a little bit too much doesn't walk enough. Um, so really, you know, same as same business as usual for Mark Vientos this past season. And 2023 was the second year in a row where he basically demolished AAA baseball. Uh, in 2022, he hit 280, 358, 519 in 101 games of Syracuse. He had 16 doubles, one triple, and 24 home runs, which was a 129 WRC+. Plus. And just in, in general, since he made it to AAA at the end of 2021, he has a cumulative 290, 371, 556 batting line with uh, 43 home runs over 117 total games. So, you know, his, his 2023 with the Mets isn't maybe the best measuring stick because early on, you know, his playing time came in spurts. And then towards the end of the season, when he was getting some decently consistent playing time, he had a hot streak for about a month where he was pretty solid and then cooled off and was basically just as bad as he was good for about like two, three weeks or so. So, you know, just like a lot of the Mets' um, top prospects, unfortunately, I'm not really sure what, what to make of Vientos. You know, you can't deny that with Syracuse, he had a great season you also can't deny though that regardless of outside factors like like playing time or where he was in the lineup or whatever else he he didn't have a good season at the major league level um you know the things that are keeping him back from from having actual success from realizing his his potential whatever i don't know how they get fixed um his swing is long and it's always been long you know i actually <laughs> I'm a meticulous record keeper. So I went back to my notes from 2018 when I saw Mark Vientos in Kingsport. And I wrote in my notes that his swing is long and heavy like he's swinging a tree, but it packs a punch. And literally, here we are five years later, and nothing's really changed. Um, you know, the Mets could have him start in Syracuse. But for a, a lack of better words, you know, been there, done that, he's mastered that already. What is What is – How is Mark Vientos going to meaningfully change as a baseball player going back to Syracuse and just doing what he's been doing for the past two, three years, you know? They could have him start at the bench at the major league level or split time at first base or third base or DH or whatever. But as we saw this year, he's probably not someone that's going to be a reliable pinch hitter or a reliable, you know part-time guy, platoon guy, whatever, you know, that that is a kind of skill, you know, however you however you measure it, whatever you measure it mentally or or I don't know, but there definitely is something more to just being able to come off the bench and, you know, make an impact as we saw um last year with all of those bench players and and the crazy bench that the Mets had in 2022. You know, so I, I don't know if Mark Vientos is that kind of guy. Um, obviously you don't want to give up on him because he is he's he's 23, he's turning 24 in December. Not not old or anything like that, but at the same time, you know, if the Mets want to be competitive next season, they need to have a third baseman or and or a DH, you know, that and a bench that can be relied on. So, is Mark Vientos that guy? He he really hasn't proved it yet. Are they gonna give him a roster spot? And you know, say we're gonna be a competitive team and figure it out on the fly because you know, as we know, you, you if you get yourself into a deep of a hole early, it makes it that much harder to uh, dig out when games start getting more competitive and the standings matter more in you know July, August, September. So you know, I don't know. I really don't know. But you know what? I'm not the one that's being paid the big bucks to figure this stuff out either. So Mr. Stearns, um, <laughs> figure it out. Hey,
1: everyone. Lucas here, and I've got my picks for the uh first baseman and third baseman of the year in the Mets system, um, or whatever it is where uh, Steve is calling this series. Uh, I did not expect this group to be as... <clears throat> Uh, not depressing to talk about, uh, uh, but just uninteresting um, to talk about. And it's, I mean, unlike a lot of other groups where we kind of bemoan the lack of pitching or the lack of outfielders, it, 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 those, those can be less interesting, sure, but they're also just not, they're, they're a lot more important. And then you get to corner infield, and I'm like, yeah, there's no one for me to talk about here, and, and limited names that I'm really excited to talk about. But I also don't really care that the Mets don't have a ton of guys playing a lot of first base or, or third base in the minors. Like, that's just not a huge problem for me. So, uh, yeah, it, weird way. It's like uh, not not as depressing to to address, but but just as if not more bleak than, than other positions in terms of uh, identifying interesting names to talk about. Um that's it. Uh, uh, we we there there are some guys to highlight and and the best player here, and he's a first baseman for sure at this point. Um, that's Mark Vientos. He's pretty clearly the the first baseman of the season or the the best first baseman of the season in the system. Um, in Syracuse, he hit 306, 387, 612. Even with the uh, uh even with triple a baseball being played on the moon this year that's a 143 weighted runs created plus uh, that's really good right that's a really nice triple a line walked t- uh, 11% of the time struck out uh, just over 21% of the time really solid peripherals especially by his standards like those are improvements over numbers he's shown in in, in previous seasons uh, uh especially in terms of the strikeout rate um and remember that the, here we're just talking about like best performers, right? We we the, the the top line numbers are are very good. Now, obviously, as we've been alluded to, when you dig in a little deeper, things aren't as rosy. Like Ventus is no longer a third baseman. We're talking about him as a first baseman. He still doesn't make great contact in the zone. He still hits the ball very hard, but not an elite, an elite velocity, and still hits the ball on the ground too much. Um, and that's probably gonna tamp down the major league upside uh may limit him to being a quad a guy but right now at, at a minimum he's a really good quad a guy and uh, he, uh as negative as we can be sometimes as negative as I can be sometimes certainly um it's it's worth you know giving him his plaudits for a very nice year at triple a I would anticipate that I, mean, I don't know what they're gonna do with him honestly right like it's difficult to find a major league role for him? Do you really want to consign him to a bench spot already? You should not be playing him at third base, and you should certainly not be playing him at third base over Brett Beatty. First base is obviously occupied. Um, Do you really want him on the bench full-time as a DH guy? Short side DH option? Not super appealing either. I, I don't know. If if you believe in Mark Vientos's long term value, you do not want him uh, on the major league roster to start next season, basically, because there is there is no role, unless you're happy with him being a full time DH. And I think if, as we've seen, you want some flexibility in that spot. And you know the Mets sign, might sign Shohei Otani anyway. So um, barring that, like I'd be fine with him as a bench bat. He doesn't have great positional flexibility, which kind of sucks. It, it's just odd. And and I really wonder if you find a team who, you know, can give him some more consistent run at first base, uh, or maybe believes in the bat a bit more, or could even, you know, implement the swing change that the Mets haven't been able to for years. So uh, that that's kind of where we're at with Vientos. It's nothing we haven't said a million times before. But again, really nice season in AAA. Best first baseman in the system by, by a pretty clear margin, I think. Um, the next first baseman to talk about, and really the only other one that I would you know, put on this list to qualify uh, is J.T. Schwartz. Um, so Schwartz was a mid-round pick out of, I believe, UCLA as a, a hit and uh, discipline over power first baseman. And previously his numbers in the minors haven't been anything particularly special, but he was quite good in Binghamton this year, 302, 383, 437, that's a 128 weighted runs created plus. Walking 10% of the time, striking out around 16, 17% of the time. The power is still lacking. It's a 135 ISO and only four homers. But there's been a little bit more to like in the AFL. Um, you don't ever want to make too much of of AFL power numbers because the pitching is bad and gassed, and the ball is 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 flying out of there like no nobody's business. So. Probably not, not an actual improvement, but you're, you're t- talking about a guy with good bat-to-ball and a, and good discipline, and if the power improves, there is something, uh, something here. I don't know. If, I personally don't believe that's happened, but he is at least interesting enough to uh, keep track of at this point. It'd be an interesting organizational win if he turned into something. Oddly, feels kind of Brewersy. To me, like this feels like a guy they'd have kicking around and we'd all just be waiting for them to, to, you know, work some more power out of him. I feel like they do well with they've historically done well with these approach and hit over power guys and, and gotten more out of them. So maybe there's something to the idea that, you know, Stearns is gonna come in and, and bring that philosophy here and turn Schwartz into something. So by no means a top prospect I don't think he's going to be on the top twenty five He's not in the top twenty five of the system i haven't I haven't looked closely enough at him yet to make that determination, but I don't think he is, and he wasn't in my initial list um, but he's gone from from someone who was pure organizational filler to now someone that that is at least you know checking in on every once in a while to to see what's up um and again, really nice season in Binghamton. One of the few, you know, primary first baseman worth talking about here. Okay, Um, and that, you know, is kind of the end of the list in terms of primary first baseman to discuss. I do want to mention one other name, and that's Ryan Clifford. For now, he's still an outfielder. Uh, That's where he mostly played. Um, I think there's a real good chance his long term defensive home is probably at first base. he also wasn't particularly good in the Mets system. And, and again, here we're trying to parse out prospect from prospect value from, you know, rewarding the on-field performance this season. Uh, like he arrived really loudly after the Justin Verlander trade and then didn't do a whole lot afterwards. So uh, he he wouldn't be edging out either of these other two guys uh, uh, regardless for the purposes of this discussion. But uh, for now, he's still an outfielder. And um you know i I guess I'm just bringing him up because there is such a dearth of options in terms of notable primary first baseman in the system, but also because he's he's very clearly a guy who I would expect to be you know in the running for for this sort of discussion next year, right if things go well and he hits like we expect him to while well, having the defensive shift, we also somewhat expect him to. Uh, a logical candidate to, to be the first baseman we're most eager eager to discuss uh, uh, come 20, uh, the, the 2024 offseason. Um, all right. On to third base, man. <laughs> um, it's it's somehow even emptier than first base. The only given that Brett Beatty graduated and Mark Vantos is no longer a third baseman. The only actual prospect in the system that I would characterize as a primary third baseman is is Jacob Reimer. You can maybe include Jose Perosa. Not Perosa. Perosa, And he wasn't particularly good this season. Um, I mean, he was fine in AA, but he struck out 30% of the time. Uh, Basically, Reimer is winning this by default um and there are a couple other part not part-time names we could talk out like talk about like lara or lugo or cuevas or you know like, I, I reimer wins it by default now that's not saying that jacob reimer had a bad season he had a very nice season you know young guy basically the same age as jet similar stuff as jet right really nice approach a lot of walks um Unlike Jet hitting the ball on the ground too much, right? Whereas Jet has perfectly, not perfectly, but very nicely optimized launch angle distributions. Jacob Reimer is still hitting the ball onto the ground way too often, uh, and that's really limiting his power output, evidenced by the the 112 ISO he posted with St. Lucie and the 76 ISO he posted in Brooklyn. Um, again, 19 year old, 19 um, year old for most of the season if not all of it, I don't care to do math at the moment, but he had a 130 way to run to plus at, at A-ball in, in his first full season. That's a really nice year. I think I mean, one of my bold predictions was that he would break out as a top 100 prospect this season. I wouldn't go. He didn't quite reach those heights, but in my mind, he is in that, that next tier of guys. Maybe he's in the 125 to 175 range. Might be even a little lower than that, but a, a very nice pickup and, and someone worth following. And, and frankly, back to the purposes of this discussion, you know, I, I think the best third baseman uh, or best full-time third baseman you, you could find in the system uh, this past season. Um, so, so definitely a, a win there. In terms of, of other interesting names to talk about, I, I do wanna highlight one, and this is someone who uh, uh, was not in the system for the majority of the year, Um, But that's Boston Barrow. This is uh, uh, one of their mid-round draft picks uh, from last season, and uh, one of the older prep hitters they took, um, but showed up in the complex and did my favorite thing, which is walk a lot more than he struck out. Now, this was only in seven games, only 24 played appearances, but he had five walks and one strikeout, ran a 143 weighted runs created plus. I am hearing this is basically third-hand information, right, because I heard this from someone who heard it from, from scouts at the field, but the reports on Barrow were pretty good. If you had to pick a mid-round sleeper from last year's draft, it might be Barrow at this point. Um, uh, I think you take him over over Ewing. Um, interesting stuff to, to like here. I mean, a bigger frame, uh, 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 third baseman type. Uh, re- Look, saying anything definitive about these guys is is largely just—basically, when when most people talk about these guys with any level of confidence, they're just reciting things they read off Baseball America's draft profile, and frankly, that's what I'd be doing at this point, too. It's a real uh, mystery box, right, and uh, uh, relying on these sort of whispers in the ether about him being interesting is the best we can do. And also indicative of just how few third basemen we want to talk about. There are that I'd actually want to talk about. So, highlighting him as someone who, who will likely be in this discussion next year, or will hopefully be in this discussion next year. I mean, maybe he's much like Reimer, a, a relatively unheralded prep guy the Mets take in, in those middle rounds that, that turns it to something nice. So, looping this all back together, not a ton of corner infielders to, to get excited about at the moment. That's also not a huge problem, and and we can squint and see some interesting things on the horizon. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about a couple of these names more as we work through the off-season list process.
0: All right, well, I hoped uh, everyone enjoyed the show this week. And if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex2queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343, Ken is at Ken1191, and Thomas is at SadMetSeasonSZN. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it, and of course we thank you for listening. And as a reminder, we are Patreon-based, so if you do like our podcast or any of the other ones that are in the Homer and Apple Network, you can subscribe for just $5 a month. So we will be back next week, and until then love the Mets. Love the Mets.